0: Hi, this is episode 41 of K. Ray Reads to You. Today we have part two of chapter 15 of Absolute Zero by Helen Cresswell. The Parkers did not return until Christmas Day, and when they did, Mr. Bagthorpe was placed in the mortifying position of presenting to Uncle Parker a tool kit that was not wanted in exchange for a case of extremely expensive vintage port that clearly was. There are few more untenable positions than that of receiving a costly and desirable gift from an adversary. Mr. Bagthorpe's expression on opening up his gift was, being a mixture of gratification and reluctance to appear gratified, a unique grimace. Huh? A funny face, a very unusual face. (laughs) Uncle Parker, on the other hand, affected extreme delight at his own offering. "'By Jove!' he exclaimed. "'Really, Henry, old chap, you shouldn't have. "'Just the sort of thing one always wants, don't you know, "'but never quite likes to treat oneself to.' "'Which, while being true of the case of Vintage Port, "'was certainly not true of the tool kit, "'as Mr. Baggorp well knew, and Uncle Parker knew he knew, "'and Mr. Baggorp knew Uncle Parker knew he knew. (laughs) "'The atmosphere then was highly charged "'even before Christmas dinner began.' None of the Bagthorpes had been particularly taken with their gifts, with the exception of those given by the Parkers, which had been intentionally chosen for their costliness and covetability, and had nothing to do with competition entering. Every one of them had a giant suntan oil from William, who was no longer getting answers to his letters to Atlanta, even including Grandma and Grandpa, though the latter at least had the grace to look pleased by this offering.' "'Matters were not improved by the fact that Christmas dinner was to be partaken of in the kitchen "'while the dining-room was being dressed for Christmas tea "'by a sulky and hung-over crew from Borderland Television. "'Mrs. Fosdyke had herself laid out the table the previous day with all the best silver and china "'in the hopes of impressing madame's pie and Bates, "'who would undoubtedly be watching the programme at five o'clock. "'Though what it'll all look like,' she lamented, "'with walls the colour of stewed liver, I don't know.' If that daisy was drowned at birth, it'd be no more than she deserves. She was clearly regretful that the moment for this operation to be carried out had already passed. The Borderland TV Props Department was adding details of its own, including candles, Mrs. Fosdyke noted with trepidation, and crackers. You watch out, she hissed into the ear of a mystified Borderland man. There's a pyrotechnic in the house. She meant pyromaniac. She was alone in her misgivings, however, because the Bagthorps had made the fatal mistake of thinking that Daisy had shot her final bolt for the current calendar year in perpetrating the toad walls. Daisy herself was very carefree and happy and brought most of her presents and those of Ariok along with her and laid them out on the sitting-room floor and was reconciling them with the willing aid of Grandma. All she had time to do before dinner was tip three jigsaws out and mix all their pieces together, "'and this assured the others that the procedure would keep Daisy quiet "'for longer than if she solved the three puzzles separately. "'Mrs. Bagthorpe always took Christmas very seriously "'and had three trees in the house, all real, "'one each in the sitting and dining rooms, and one in the hall. "'I love the house to smell of real fur,' she would sigh ecstatically. "'Such nostalgia!' "'Usually these were lit with fairy lights,' "'but this year she had insisted on old-fashioned candles "'for the dining-room where the Bagthorps were to be shown "'to the nation being overwhelmingly happy over their Christmas tea. "'There are little children all over England "'who have never seen candles flickering on a Christmas tree,' she said, "'and never known their magic. "'Think, Henry, think, Mr. Jones,' P.J.''s real name, "'which, for obvious reasons, he did not use in such a competitive milieu, "'it may bring about a revival.' Whether it did or not was never established, but it certainly brought about other consequences that could in no way be described as a revival. It had been arranged that this year each member of the family should receive an extra gift from Borderland TV, up to the value of ten pounds per head, and that these should be placed about the candlelit tree. After a minute or so's live film of the Bagthorps being happy around the Christmas cake and mince-pies, these presents were to be opened. No one but the props man knew what was in these enticing-looking boxes, though so they had been shaken around a lot during the few days they had been in the house. Each member of the family, however, had privately told the props man what he or she would most like to receive, and there was no real reason to suppose that these wishes had not in general been granted. The Bagthorpes indeed, were looking forward to opening these parcels. At one o'clock, when Mrs. Fosdyke was due to dish up the dinner, "'most adults present were considerably elevated "'by the liberal dispensation of spirits. "'Mrs. Bagthorpe herself, being more than usually nervous "'and determined that things should go with a Dickensian swing, "'handed out more than usually plentiful portions of homemade punch, "'and she was not, of course, to know that Borderland TV "'had brought their own supply of stuff "'in anticipation of a hard and depressing day. "'Mr. Bagthorpe felt himself both bound and inclined,' to open one of his bottles of vintage port after the well-brandied Christmas pudding. The result of all this was that the adults spent most of the afternoon sleeping, even at Celia, who had evidently been affected by auto-suggestion after drinking a bottle of her own elderflower champagne. Tea time, then, was soon upon the Bagthorpes, and found them still sleepy and not fully on their guard. At four o'clock the make-up girl started work on Grandma, who had expressed a wish to appear looking as much as possible like Dame Sybil Thorndyke, followed by Mr. Bagthorpe, who asked her, voce, to emphasize the already considerable hollows under his eyes. By sixteen hundred fifty-five hours, the entire gathering was seated round the festive board, Grandma and Daisy both wearing their Blue Lagoon and Generation Gap outfits in the certainty of being recognized and receiving fan mail. It was very hot and cramped in there, what with the lights, camera, and production team, and the jellies and icings were already beginning to melt. From 1700 hours to 1725, the family were to eat their tea in the usual way, while watching their filmed performances on one of three monitor sets that were placed about the room. When the credits began to roll onto the screen, with first of all the title, Happy Christmas, Happy Bagthorpes," followed by a list of the names of everyone present, Mrs. Spasdyke, who had had her tots along with everyone else but did not really have the head for it, began to sniff loudly. "'You'd better cut that out before 1725,' P.J. warned her in a savage whisper and took a long, consolatory swig at his beer. All the crew were drinking beer now because they said the strong lights dehydrated them. The family chewed steadily, their eyes fixed on the screen." "'They were quite pleased with what they saw, "'but not so pleased with what they were eating. "'Mrs. Bagthorpe's face powder had definitely affected the flavor of the pastry, "'and this was particularly noticeable in the case of the sausage rolls. "'They all reached first for one of these, "'with the exception of Grandpa, who started straight in on the stuffed eggs, "'and were naturally made unhappy when they found them all but inedible. "'When Mrs. Fosdyke noticed that no one was finishing them, "'and that dark looks were being directed toward herself,' She became unhappy, too, and started sniffing again. And that's the end of Part 2 of Chapter 15 of Absolute Zero. See you next time.